Episode 271 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff sitting in for Bill. He hasn't been on the job long, but Kevin Saul is already finding out how important Wichita State University Athletics is to our community. The new Shocker Athletic Director joins me in episode 271 to talk about his background, his view of the athletic department, and his vision for what's ahead in Shocker country. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is the opening of the $60 million Wolsey Hall project on the WSU campus. The new home of the W. Frank Barton School of Business is something to see. And photographer Brittany Showalter has the first photographs of the completed inside as classes open this month. Photos and coverage from Josh Witt begin on page 12. Our list this week is oil producers. See who's at the top, beginning on page eight. Our Excellence in Healthcare series continues this month, meets some of the city's standout medical professionals, beginning on page 25. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 38. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. I'm pleased to have Kevin Saul on this week's podcast. Kevin is Wichita State's new athletic director, and he begins his tenure at an important juncture for Shocker Athletics. Kevin, thanks so much for joining me. Kirk, thank you very much for having us on on your show. We're uh, blessed and honored to be with you. Before we talk your vision for Shocker Athletics, let's get to know you a little bit. You grew up in Kansas, correct? I did. I was the son of a psychology professor and a advisor in the College of Arts and Sciences at Kansas State. And so you can imagine our, our dining room table conversations at night were all about the development of young people. Um, and so I, it's funny how life uh, channels you into certain areas professionally, but this is an area uh, my dad's study in psychology was um, uh, industrial organizational psychology, the study of psychology in the workplace, and and uh, it certainly has served me well. And, and I think at times we might have been experiments for him. <laughs> Growing up in Manhattan, you obviously had a good knowledge of Kansas State and the Big 8 and the Big 12. Uh, what did you know about Wichita State at the time? I'm glad you asked me that. And and it's certainly a conversation that we've had with many, many folks here this first month. They asked the same question. So I'm the youngest of three. I've got two older sisters. Uh, one is five years older than I am, and the other is about 17 months older than I am. So imagine a late junior high, early high school kid that thinks he knows everything, and his five his oldest sister is uh, dating a guy in college. And um that gentleman happened to uh, go to Wichita Heights and he happened to be the high school catcher for Darren Dreifert. Mm -hmm. um, and so at that point in time, this would have been 91, 92, Wichita State baseball is in its absolute heyday. 
And at that same period of time, ESPN is starting to show College World Series. Um, and so you're familiar with the the evolution of college baseball and, and television. That's the heyday. Skip Bertman, Gene Stevenson, uh, 9,000 home runs a season with a juiced bat and ball. And, and uh, so that was my intro to college baseball. Dad was big in in basketball, we had season tickets to Kansas State basketball and football, and I was big into Major League Baseball, uh, Royals and Cubs, and but I really wasn't introduced to college baseball until that moment. So that was a pretty good time to be a Shocker baseball fan with my uh, who would become my brother-in-law. They were married for about 24, 25 years. So mm-hmm. um, just uh, just a good experience, and and certainly, and then you know, getting into athletics, um, I've been an administrator for twenty three years. And certainly have been familiar with the success of uh, the Shockers. In fact, when we were at Kentucky for 12 years, one of those years we hosted Wichita State Volleyball in a in a preseason uh, tournament. We crossed paths. I managed uh, postseason travel and all the logistics associated with that in coordination with the NCAA through the men's basketball tournament. And uh, so we crossed paths with the Shockers a number of times, as you're aware, and and certainly have had a keen eye on this program uh, growing up just two hours north. Mm-hmm. You followed in your father's footsteps in getting an undergrad degree in psychology from TCU, but then you came back to Kansas, went to the University of Kansas for a master's in, in sports administration. Tell us why sports management was in your future. Well, this is a great another life um, provides you guardrails that you might not be aware of at the time. Um, so I did get my undergrad in psychology, but it was only because I couldn't manage intro to biology as a freshman. So I talking with my dad, he said, you know, psychology is a pretty good degree to get because it's just it's a general degree and it helps you a lot. Uh, and he was right. Um, so I go to my interests uh, as a student athlete, I was a, a diver on the swimming and diving team. So obviously there's a significant mental component to college athletics and particularly that sport. And I was interested at that time in motivation, intrinsic and intr- extrinsic motivation and did a uh, independent study paper. My intent was to study under Dr. Cook at uh, the University of Kansas. Dr. Cook was in the sports psychology program there. And you may remember this is going to be now. 22 years ago, 23 years ago, he was one of the first sports psychologists in the NBA. The Spurs hired him to do some some work. And um, I realized as how difficult it was going to be because there were maybe one or two professional sports psychologists in every state at that point in time. Um, so I go up to uh, to Lawrence. My wife and I were married between graduation, undergrad and and enrolling in, in uh, Kansas uh, we had rented a house out there by the fairgrounds in uh, in Lawrence. Would have been what is that East Lawrence? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were she was pregnant with our oldest son Jacob. And so I walked into the advisor's office, and I'll never forget Doctor Lapointe, Doctor James Lapointe. Um, he said, "Kevin, I got some bad news for you. We just dropped our sports psychology program." Well, we're there. We we got a lease. We got right. We're there. We're in Lawrence. We're going to school. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do you have anything in sports? And he said, yes, we got a sports administration degree and, and the rest is history. Um, so it, it, it was, it was an awesome experience. I learned a lot through that academic program. I actually, I tease Brad Noctical at, at the university of Kansas all the time. I've had a 23 year relationship with him because I wanted to be his GA. Um, 
when I was in grad school there and they didn't, they had just filled it. And so what I ended up doing, I was a GA in intramurals and club sports. So I was an intramural supervisor, which what is, what a, what better way to get an introduction to managing officials and mm -hmm. teams and scheduling and all the elements that go into that than, than doing that for a couple of years. So um, graduated in, I think it was December of 2000 and really got a full-time, my first full-time job in the business in October of 2000. So for about two months, I was going back and forth from classes to work. Um, I started at Kansas State. Um, and I was finishing up my master's degree. So it was a lot of fun. The, the timing of life always amazes me. Just the little things that change the course of a life for someone. There's no doubt. Uh, take us through your professional career and how you got to Murray State. Do you think you took a, a, a normal uh, line of progression to, to get your first athletic director's job? Well, when I started, I had zero aspirations of being a, an athletic director. Um, I, I, I was very passionate about uh, the programs at Kansas State, growing up in Kansas State and watching, you know, Lon Kruger and Dana Altman and Mitch Richmond and Steve Henson and Jack Hartman and all those guys, uh, that was in my blood. And then when Coach Schneider arrived in, in 88, uh, watching that program evolve from a little bit of nothing um, mm -hmm. to, you know, 10 years later, you're a, you're a hair away from playing for the national championship. That to me – I was interested in that as a young person. You know, to me, the definition of hard work was coming home from an athletic competition in, in high school. And uh, I lived a mile from the stadium and I would drive down Kimball Avenue and I would see Coach Snyder's silver Cadillac sitting in the head coach's stall at one o'clock in the morning and the corner office light is on. To me, that was my definition. And I was intrigued with how you could take a program that had struggled for 40 years and do that. So I honestly, without knowing it, I think that was the seed that was planted for me from a professional perspective. So when I got an opportunity to work at Kansas State, I, I took it. Um, it was unbelievable. I started out as an administrative assistant uh, for our rowing and golf programs at Kansas State. Again, similar to the, the recreation experience. Awesome experience to support teams, understanding from a budget perspective, recruiting, compliance, to understand the foundational elements of those three programs that I supported. Um, did that for a year and got into event management. And so we started running uh, all of the game day event management. It's hard on the family, night, a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, a lot of hours, uh, but that's that's what athletics is. And really, I, I was predominantly facilities and events and um, a little bit of capital construction for about 10, 12 years of my career. I got uh, five years at Kansas State. I did two at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And uh, boy, we learned how to stretch a penny. We made pennies scream at, at UMKC and uh, very small staff. So uh, learned how to be a, a reliable uh, professional in a small staff that required it. Um, and then I started at Kentucky in 2007, and I would say that my 12 years there was the most transformative time for me emotionally, from a faith perspective, um, professionally. Started out as an entry-level position in 2007 in event management. By 2010, um, I, was over, I was leading the event management office. Um, shortly thereafter, was leading events, facilities, our sports turf division. Um, so a lot of those uh, service framework uh, positions, Mitch Barnhart, the AD at Kentucky was phenomenal um, in, in my development. Um, 
just I, we could spend an hour talking about Mitch and his influence uh, in my life, but he allowed us to the freedom to do some really cool things. Um, I got an opportunity to be involved in various roles on $250 million in capital construction and the fundraising that's associated with that um, design development. Um, I would say the peak of that experience was uh, a $49 million baseball stadium that we spent three years in design and construction. And he allowed me to co-lead that with one of our other senior staff members. Um, 2010, I started overseeing sports. And I would tell you that that was the, the time where the seed was planted to be an athletics director. I oversaw our men's soccer uh, and baseball programs at, at Kentucky. And I'm telling you, building a baseball program um, in the SEC, it, it was not dissimilar to, uh, to what Coach Snyder was trying to do in the Big 8 and then eventually Big 12. Um, so that was some great experience uh, for me. And I remember specifically, it was about 2013-14, I called Mitch and uh, it was just on my heart. I called him and I said, Mitch, you know, I, I've seen what you do and I've seen how you do it. And, and I, I think I want to take a swing at being a director of athletics. And he took that honestly and sincerely. Uh, we have a genuine, authentic relationship. He, um, he was interested in my development. Uh, to the spot where we were competitive for the the AD job at Murray State in in 2019, so I'll never forget that week, Kirk. We uh, we opened up a brand new baseball stadium. Mitch said, "I need you to stay here for the open. Um, get this the get the doors open, and then you can you can go to Murray." And he was there with the press conference at Murray, and so we did. It was a Tuesday. We played Eastern Kentucky. We opened up the stadium, and then on Friday. Um, I was at, in Murray watching a baseball game, watching us compete uh, there. So Murray is a great experience. Three and a half years there, worked for an unbelievable president, Dr. Bob Jackson. And uh, we were able to do some remarkable things. Uh, facility master plan. Um, we we never had had a development office specifically within athletics there, which is shocking in today's day and age. So we, right. we did that. We implemented a priority point system and really started the foundational work for fundraising and development. Uh, we transitioned into the Missouri Valley Conference in all sports except rifle and football. And then uh, we transitioned to the Missouri Valley Football Conference, two very firm moves um, for the place. Um, so a lot of great things, worked with a lot of great people and and just very, very blessed to be here at, at Wichita State. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very interested in in the in the process that got you to Wichita. You know, it's it's said that athletic athletic directors need to always have a short list available of, of, of basketball coaches and football coaches that they want to look to if, if ever the need arises to hire someone. But I'm not sure university presidents have short lists. They, they tend to go with search firms who identify quality candidates. So, you know, Darren Boatwright was let go in early May, May 4th, and then you were hired on June 15th. Can you kind of give us some insight as to that six weeks and how things move in that time? Yes. And this will be another, uh, there's starting to be a recurring theme here about how life nudges you in different spots. Right. Um, so we're at Murray state and, and I, I would rewind back to 2012. I actually met Daniel Parker with Parker executive search firm. And, and uh, as you know, Kirk, there's multiple search firms that, and they all handle their business differently. I resonated well with, with, um, with Daniel. And I actually, we were in Atlanta for a competition and I reached out to Daniel. I said, look, it was right around that time I got the itch and I called Mitch about uh, being an AD. 
And Daniel was very gracious at that point in time um, to, to talk with me about what it would take. And he kind of set out a developmental pathway. So as the job came open, I had a natural interest growing up in, in, in Manhattan. I knew um, what the Shockers have been, were, and could be. Um, that's very clear. Um, I started doing a little bit of research in terms of the innovative campus and the leadership that's that's good currently going on here through President Muma um, and became even more excited. Um, the facility plant, the, the, the athletic facilities are very solid um, and it's a, a large market. And so I, I knew some foundational elements and, and had some excitement based on what I'd seen. You've been covering Wichita sports for a long time. And um, every program at Wichita State has been incredibly successful at, at different periods of time. Right. And so I knew it could be done within each program. And, and can we do it program wide? I mean, look at 2015-16, there are nine Missouri Valley Conference championships. Um, you know, so you dig deep and you start doing the research and the student athletes have, have achieved a 3.0 GPA for 34 consecutive semesters. We were 36 at Murray. So strong academic performance. And Kirk, I would look through the lens of, of almost 50 percent of our, our student athletes are first generation college students doing something for the first time ever in their families. And yet we're achieving 34 consecutive semesters at 3.0 GPA or better. That's generational and transformational change in families. So that resonated with me as well. Um, so I think it was a combination of all of those things and expressing interest. Um, uh, we, we participated in initial Zoom sessions and then there was an in-person interview. And, and again, I think it's a, you don't get to the spot of an in-person interview if you're not qualified. I think at that point in time, it really becomes about fit. And uh, President Muma and I had a great conversation and I was um, very interested in learning about his vision for Wichita State and uh, and that he wanted us to be a part of that. Um, so we're blessed and honored to be here, and it has been a wild ride the last month. Was there um, much cajoling with family? You have a wife, you have two kids, two boys in their early 20s. Uh, is that a tough conversation to have with family? You know, we've been here at Murray, but we have this opportunity in Wichita. You know, athletics is somewhat of a transient business right. and um, enterprise, I guess I should say. So we were blessed to spend the first five years when the kids were very young. Uh, Alex was born in Manhattan and Jacob was born in Lawrence when we were in grad school. So we had about seven years combined grad school and working at Kansas State where we were around uh, my family and, and Jennifer's family. We're both from Manhattan um, and our family born and raised there. So we had some time there. I, I Jennifer was easy coming to, to back to Wichita. Uh, what was very hard in our move with Jennifer was moving from Manhattan to Kansas City. That was really hard. The Kansas City to Kentucky was was nothing, but getting to Kansas City was hard because very, very close to her family. Um, so we lost a lot of mother-in-law points when we moved to Kentucky for 15 years. <laughs> I would say with with interest, we gained double the amount of mother-in-law points when we came back to Wichita State. So her mom, her dad has since passed, but her mom is still living in Manhattan. She's got a brother here in Wichita. We have a, a niece as well and a lot of uh, just family and friends on the eastern third of the state. So coming back for us, man, it was exciting, both professionally and personally. 
And as I mentioned to you before we hit the record button, um, our boys are split 22 and, and 20 years old. The 22 year old had a little concern in his face and the 20 year old was ready to get rid of mom and dad from, from the same town that he was going to school in. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Uh, I want to ask you about the role of an athletic director when you come in. I mean, like you said, I've been around Wichita State Athletics my entire life. It it seems like at Wichita State, it's the people coming in from the outside who have had the most success. Ted Bradyhoff shook up a lot of things in the 70s. Lou Perkins, for better or worse, in the 80s. And obviously, Jim Shouse, you know, his history with the, the roundhouse renaissance and getting men's basketball back on its feet. Um You've been in the role for two months now. Can you talk about the vibe you feel in the department when you enter? And then what do you think needs to be changed or adapted? Well, and I, that's really good. I'm taking some notes here. Um, I, I think first and foremost, the role of an athletics director, it's complex, uh, but it, but it's only as complex as you want to make it. Right. At the end of the day, uh, we have 15 sports programs at Wichita State, and every single one of them are in a different place, right? There are 15 individual brands that collectively make up Shocker Athletics. And we've won six AAC championships. You got three in, in cross country track and field. You got a volleyball, you got a men's basketball and a softball. And so we've seen some, some success uh, there. I think the role of an athletics director is a facilitator. Uh, I think it's a promoter. It's uh, somebody that can be relational and, and build, uh, be a gatherer of people uh, to express vision and align resources that are available to uh, what our competitive expectations are or academic expectations or um, student athlete development expectations. So you got to set the vision when we come in and, and I, we may talk a little bit about the shocker way. I would love to do that, but that's our vision. That's who we are. That's what we do and how we do it. Um, so that's where it starts is defining that vision. And then I think you're a facilitator, you're a promoter, you're relational, uh, both internally and externally productive, right? We got to produce results. We're in a results oriented industry. And I think you're just a, you need to be a solid evaluator of environments, um, and then understanding what resources to to put in place to improve programs or service frameworks at events or culture within the department is just understanding the organizational dynamics, which goes back again to my, my dad as an industrial organizational psychologist. Man, we broke down um, assets and dysfunctions in organizations as a kid. Like, who does that? And um, so I, I think that's, that's certainly a part of of the role. You mentioned the Shocker way. Define what that is, and is that something that a fan or a donor sees uh, in front of them? Well, I, we will put it in front of a lot of folks. So I'll tell you, we've uh, this, I think, is day 21 in the office um, since we were hired. And I looked back at it about a week to 10 days ago, late one night. And I think if the trending was the same for the last week, we're at close to 200 individual meetings over the last 20 to 21 days. And I'll tell you that I think it's to perform the, the role well, we've got to understand our people and we've got to understand um, the organization. And so um, 
We did uh, 15-minute meetings with every single one of our staff. We've got 100 of those. We've done lunches and dinners solid since we've been here. We've met with campus folks. And so we talk a lot about the Shocker way, and you've, you've probably seen this. But anytime I, I finish up a donor meeting, I come back to the office and write a letter, and I send out a copy of this. The Shocker way is, is, is basically a triangle. It's three things. It's our core values. Uh, it's our student-athlete development. Uh, structure and uh, it's our competitive excellence. So the core values, very simply character, integrity, knowledge, and stewardship. Character is understanding right from wrong. Integrity is the behavioral alignment of that character. It's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to actually act it in all environments, doing the right thing in the right place at the right time all the time. Uh, knowledge, we're in an educational uh, enterprise. And so the pursuit of knowledge, but there's, there's much more than that. There's emotional intelligence, there's, um, professional development, keep, keeping our coaches on the cutting edge of knowledge. Stewardship is basically when you ask an 18 to 22 year old, what stewardship is generally you'll get to taking care of your stuff. And that's right. We want to be great stewards of, of our resources too much is given much is expected. So whether that's, um, gear, travel, our facilities, um, it extends beyond material components into your time, nutrition, how you take care of yourself. We want to be a really good steward. So core values, that's who we are. I think those four core values, there's no shortcuts to winning. The programs that I've seen that do those four things really well, they, they win. Um, and so we spend a lot of time talking about that. Our student-athlete development is incredibly important, um, not only to recruitment, but retention, and then ultimately launching um, leaders of character and competence and consequence into life. That's what we do. We're an educational enterprise and we use athletics to develop people. So developing our young people as students, persons, players, and then ultimately professionals. Any AD would be on your podcast and they talk about doing it in the classroom, doing it in the community, doing it on the field or the court, right? You hear that all the time. I don't think the finish line is graduation. Um, it's a marvelous accomplishment. We want you to have a you know, I've heard ADs talk about championship rings on the fingers while you're getting your diploma, and that's awesome. But I think we need to be getting you jobs. Uh, you need to land jobs afterwards because ultimately that's what we're doing. Um, and so that student-athlete development piece is incredibly important for us. And last is the uh, the competitive aspect. We want to be a comprehensive, broad-based competitive athletics program. Um, and so what does that mean? Well, when you talk about winning, you know, nine Missouri Valley Conference championships in 15-16 and Commissioner's Cups stacked on top of Commissioner's Cups um, in the, the bottom, the, the um, concourse of Coke Arena. That's comprehensive excellence. Now we're doing it in a much more competitive environment, a much more expensive environment in the American Athletic Conference. I think it really comes down to aligning resources to expectations. Kirk, I think we don't have to be the nicest house in the neighborhood right, to use this model, but we need to be in the neighborhood. I think we can win championships from the top third of the American. Um, I think it gets a little tougher to do it from the, the middle third, and it's nearly impossible to do it from the bottom third. So the resources, whether it's manpower, human resources, whether it's our finances, our facilities, uh, we need to be positioned in that top third, and that's what will drive us. Uh, we've done a deep dive financial audit of every program, uh, the major expense categories, the major revenue categories, head coaches and assistant coaches, salaries and benefits, um, our travel budgets, recruiting, equipment, nutrition, all of those elements of each budget. How do we align with our peers in the AAC? And we've done all that. 
Um, so we've got some areas where we have some work to do. And uh, but that's that's it. Uh, the, the the shocker way is our core values. That's who we are. Character, integrity, knowledge, students, stewardship. And what we do is we develop young people. Our mission is very, very simple. We develop young people in programs um, through first class uh, service to our student athletes, our coaches and Shocker Nation. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Developing young people in programs through service. And then obviously the competitive uh, piece to us is we want to win AEC championships, right? Because that is the guaranteed pathway to competing in the NCAA. And when you compete in the NCAA, which we've done so often here, we want to get to deep runs within the NCAA tournament. We've done that well as well. For me, any goal that is a collective goal, whether it's a 3.0 GPA as a department, I, I want us to get into the top 100 of 358 Division I institutions. So the, the NACTA Learfield Directors Cup standings are going to be very important to us. We're going to look at, okay, strategic objective. We want to be in the top 100 in the next five years. Uh, in the last nine years, we've been in the top 100 twice. So we've got some work to do to get in there and uh, particularly in a much competitive conference environment. So very long answer to your question, but very important because it's the foundation for what we do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, your research of Wichita State when you were looking at the at the opening and uh, part of that obviously had to be financial. Where Where does the department stand financially right now? Every athletic department took a hit during COVID-19, yeah. some more than others. Uh, but Wichita State is also paying out Greg Marshall's contract, um, and that's going to go on for a while. And there was a you know a fall off in men's basketball attendance, and that's the big revenue source um, last season. Are there concerns, or, or where do you? Is it too early to say that? I think there are always concerns, and as we walk through the financial conversation in our organization, I think it's important to realize that when we're sitting around the table, we we work in a a growth minded industry, right? You're, you're never, you never reach the, the finish line. Coaches are always going to have thoughts and administrators on how we get better. How do we compete better against our competition? So that's the, an important framework. We're always looking to grow. Um, and so I think you're right. I know you're right. From a COVID perspective, every athletics department took a dip. Uh, some as low as five to six percent, some as high as 15, 16, 17 percent. I'll give you an example at Murray State. Ours ours took a, a dip of about uh, eight to 10 percent. And so everybody's revenue number annually, you'll see, will take that little dip um, in 2021. And we were able to actually get uh, past that dip and start exceeding pre-COVID um, revenues at, at Murray State. And I think the challenge here has been that um, men's basketball is obviously a significant financial driver for us. It's 35 to 40% of our overall athletics budget. Um, and so we've got to do a really good job there. And uh, everybody is is aligned in that thought process. So um, when, when if you don't have as, as successful a season as you expect, it's going to impact you. Um, and so those are all elements that we have to navigate um, here at Wichita State, and 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 we will. Um, I think one of the one of the couple areas that we're going to spend a lot of time improving um, early on is our service framework at events, the driveway to driveway experience, um, because it's we're competing against the television, right, Kirk? And uh, right. we need a great service experience for our folks, and we also need um, 
really engaging and dynamic game production and fan experience at the arena. The combination of those two things will create a spot where, man, it's an hour, hour and a half away from tip and people are itching to get to the arena because it's convenient. It's easy. Uh, we're very relational and not transactional, uh, which I think has been a challenge in the past. And and so those are some, when you're, when you're turning the cruise ship that is uh, cultural dynamics like that, it takes some time. And we're going to spend a lot of time with uh, some consultants. I have a little bit of experience in this in my facilities and event background. Um, I was fortunate to lead a three-year relationship with the Disney Institute uh, at Kentucky, and we focus strictly on service framework. Um, and so, again, another nudge of life uh, producing an experience that's going to pay dividends down the road. And we'll certainly reap those benefits uh, here. Okay, I want to cover a couple things, a couple different sports, a couple different projects you have going on at the university. One is softball. You know, Christy Bredbender has done such a great job. Uh, over the past three, four years, ever since she arrived at Wichita State, actually. Uh, and I'm wondering if there are thoughts about Wilkins Stadium is maybe not getting is not big enough for the program anymore. Is there have there been any talks for for improving that facility? Yeah, first and foremost, just a, a, I've done it several times as a public thank you and congratulations to Christy and our softball team. Just awesome ride last year. We were uh, our first NCAA tournament experience ever institutionally at Murray State, and I had an opportunity to watch a couple of Wichita State games. This was even before uh, the job was open, and uh, it I love this the psychology of the dynamics between coaches and student-athletes, and you can tell Christy has, has really got their attention. They've got a great culture, um, and so just been awesome to get to know her and her program and, and the needs of the program. Uh, been working with, with her and her staff on obviously recognition and reward of that performance um, and the growth that lies ahead. So one thing, Kirk, that I will share is uh, we are going to work very quickly uh, with our vice president for finance administration, our facilities planning folks here. We don't currently have a facility master plan specifically for athletics. Um, that is a six to seven month process if you're going to do it right, uh, but basically charts a pathway for every single one of your athletic facilities and your sports programs. We certainly have um, ideas in different spots, but how does that relate to other ideas and what efficiencies? And, and that's what a facility master plan does. Gives you a great plan and pathway. It also provides you collateral in the form of renderings. It gives you information in the form of timelines, scope, cost for different phases of these. That So when you engage in a conversation with an interested donor and they say, hey, what are your plans for softball? Then we have a great idea. We have a great pathway that we can show and that, that determines um, their interest level from there. But it's a plan. Mm -hmm. And so those plans exist. We are currently um, adding batting cages uh, behind the the um, third base dugout there where there's a older uh, basketball court outdoor basketball court between the Heskett Center and and Wilkins that's much needed the batting cage component and then we are uh, expanding the dugout on the third base side the visitors dugout 
Uh, and then we we address the lights as well. And and why specifically those three things? Because they're minimum standards to host the AAC championship, which we're trying to get in 2024. Okay. So that that clearly was a short term th- uh, thought process even before my arrival. And we're executing that plan. Whenever we talk about facility master plans, I use the just a good, better, best thought process. So what we're doing with batting cages and and the dugout, good. Those are good improvements. Um, we have a plan uh, that we've looked at at least superficially about using some spade and space in the Heskett Center, right? You know, it's about 40 yards, 45 mm-hmm. yards from the third base dugout back. Um, there's a whole wing there that's vacated at this point uh, where you could do a, a nice renov- renovation for locker room, team, lo- team room, um, athletic training room, a classroom for uh, for our softball student athletes, just a, a nice team operation space. And I think that's a better thought uh, in terms of where they are now. Um, there, we have had some significant discussion about maybe the best idea would be to do a team operations center that's directly connected to the third base dugout, right? So when you, as a, as a student athlete, you can exit the dugout, walk back a tiny hallway, and then you got your athletic training room there and you got a mud room, uh, where you can drop your shoes and then that feeds into the team room and the locker room and the showers and bathrooms. You got coaches offices there with a, a coach's locker room. And, and, and again, so I think you get into this good, better, best uh, thought process. We certainly are executing good right now. We have uh, relatively defined thoughts on better in Heskett. And this facility master plan will help us identify what it would look like to have maybe the best option. And that's what the facility master plan process does for you is you say, hey, I've got an idea. Could this happen based on square footage, based on scope of the building, um, based on what you would need? Is it a single story building? Is it a double story? And so you function all those programmable spaces out and determine what's realistic. Mm-hmm. And then the other facilities thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, we reported a couple of years ago that Wichita State wanted to tear down Cessna Stadium and, and build something uh, of less size that would be home to track and maybe a field sport of some kind. Um, where is that? Is the money there to start that project soon? How does that stand? Yeah, absolutely. There's been some pretty advanced um, thoughts and work done even prior to my arrival here in terms of of raising if you will. And I, I was always confused as a young professional about the term raising actually means lowering um, a, a facility um, and then getting yourself to a spot where you've got a state of the art outdoor track and field practice and competition facility uh, that also can accommodate accommodate state high school track, uh, which is very, very important, as you know, economically and from a recruiting perspective, both uh, institutionally and with our track program. And so it's molding all of those thoughts together. Uh, first phases of those is obviously the raising of, of, of the spaces and then working your way into it. That's a multi-phase project, a multi-year project. Uh, those thoughts are advancing, I would tell you, relatively rapidly. Um, and I would anticipate that we'll get ourselves to a spot where you'll see some movement there very soon. I think objectively, it would it would be great to add to our fall sports portfolio. So you could look at, you know, down the road, I again, I uh, don't hold me to it, but you could look at a women's soccer in the fall that, that obviously Wichita uh, is a community that is so supportive and, and excels greatly in soccer. And we could be successful with that. And 
So a lot of thoughts as we plan our way down the road and can continue to build uh, opportunities for young women in our program. Last question, and I appreciate all the time this afternoon, uh, Kevin. Um, part of a job of a of an athletic director is to glad hand and to talk and talk up the department with your major donors and all all fans, of course. But that's not something that an assistant athletic director or an associate athletic director does as much. Does it come natural to you? And, and what have you found in listening to what donors have had to say so far over these three Well, weeks? I can tell you this, 2010, 2011, that I, I had a stigma that existed in my mind on fundraising and development. And Mitch and some of the development professionals that I've had an opportunity to be a part of, experience in an executive team at Kentucky, it, it really is much more simple than people make it out to be. They think that fundraising and there's, there's this magic that happens and then you either have it or you don't. And that's not the case. What I have found is as with everything, it's about building relationships. And so if you ask me, am I into building relationships? Absolutely. And everybody has a unique style for doing that. I think um, there are, there are ways to do it um, that, that certainly are, are done. My preference is to build genuine and authentic relationships and that takes time, Kirk. I'm at in some of the the conversations that we had that that led to significant fundraising at Kentucky or Murray State. You might spend twenty to twenty four hours with an individual over the course of many meetings, um, where you're building that genuine, authentic relationship, and you're sending texts and Hey, thank you for being a part of our program. It's very relational and transformative. Um, and it gets to the spot where the individual really it resonates with them what we're doing our why the shocker way and they ask how they can help and, and really that's where it starts or they express interest in helping and so at that point it becomes aligning interest and ability with a very well defined giving pathway and that giving pathway can be say so it can be alston educational funds it can be restricted dollars towards a particular sport unrestricted to the department and then it could be in your whole facility master plan portfolio hey i'd like to give money to our softball project or um, but it really starts with building authentic and genuine relationships and you have to get in front of people and you have to be your true self and you have to express your passion your desire your energy and, and a vision and a plan, and that resonates with folks. And so uh, we will continue to do that. We're 24 days into uh, to doing that. We have a lot more folks to meet and get in front of and, and look forward to building relationships. Well, Kevin, we appreciate the time. We wish you the best of luck. And I, as you know already from three and a half weeks in town, that how important Wichita State Athletics is to this community. Best of luck to you. Thank you very much. And that's not a responsibility we take lightly. We're, we're blessed and honored to be here and, and look forward to working with great people. And thanks for uh, the opportunity to be on your podcast and for covering our programs. Go Shockers. Thanks, Kevin. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 271. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today 
at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.